It's September, and the pandemic is about to hit the six-month mark. This podcast has been on hiatus as I have worked to create a daily newsletter and podcast about local news and information. But yesterday, September 1st, Governor Ralph Northam held his first COVID-19 press conference in four weeks and warned against being complacent. Be careful this Labor Day weekend. Large gatherings are still not a good idea. I'm Sean Tubbs, and since the early days of this pandemic, I have solely been getting back into the routine of being a working journalist. This podcast, the longer one, is much harder to put together, especially now that I'm focusing on getting my subscribers information each and every day. But every now and then, I think it's important to capture a longer event for those who want to hear more details. So in today's episode, the 46th, we listen to highlights of Governor Northam's press conference from September 1st, 2020. But first, let's take a snapshot of the September 1st, 2020 installments of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast. By the time you hear this, some of this information may be out of date, but this entire podcast series is intended to be an attempt at a first rough draft of history. That's what I'm here for. There have been another 1,021 cases of COVID-19 reported by the Virginia Department of Health today for a cumulative total of 121,615. There have been another 32 deaths recorded for a total of 2,612 to date. The statewide seven-day average for positive tests increased to 7.7% today, up from 7.4% yesterday. In the Thomas Jefferson Health District, there are another 15 cases and no new deaths reported today. The seven-day average for positive tests in the Thomas Jefferson Health District was at 6.6 for a second consecutive day. The University of Virginia reports another eight cases of COVID-19 today, with six of those being students. That brings the total number of cases since August 17th to 123, with 89 of those students. UVA returns for in-person classes a week from now on September 8th. Local sales tax collections are up sharper this year in the communities that surround Albemarle and Charlottesville, but the city's revenues have declined. That's one conclusion drawn from the Free Enterprise Forum's retail report for the second quarter of 2020. Forum President Neil Williamson and former Chamber of Commerce President Tim Holbert analyzed data collected from each community and found that local sales tax revenues increased by 18.5% in Fluvanna, 18.5% in Green, and 24.3% in Louisa. Albemarle collected 1% more than in the second quarter of 2019, and Charlottesville's sales tax collection was 11.6% less this year over last year. The report states that one factor is a reduction in people commuting to Charlottesville and spending money instead in their home communities. Another is dramatically fewer people in Charlottesville as a result of the closure of the University of Virginia in March. In nine days, the Charlottesville Business Innovation Council will finally hold its annual awards gala for 2020, just three months after the pandemic caused the May event to be canceled. Each year, the CBIC Gala honors tech companies and innovators in the community, and this year's event will be a little different. The gala will be held electronically, but not on a regular Zoom call. Instead, participants will be seated at a virtual table and can interact and network with their seatmates. Heidi Toombs is the co-chair of the CBIC Gala. We were really looking to capture some elements of the gala that um, our attendees have given us great feedback about in the past, and 
Two of those essential elements are connecting with our local innovators through Innovators Row, being a really core part of what makes the gala great, and um, being able to network and meet people, whether you're looking for your next job opportunity or looking for investors or just to connect with other people in, uh, in a similar industry who can, who can help you make your way. Awards include Business of the Year, Partnership of the Year, and the Social Good Award. Review the finalists on the CBIC Gala website. This year's event is open to admission on a pay-as-you-can basis. The gala takes place September 10th, beginning at 5 p.m. In the early days of the pandemic, Governor Ralph Northam held a news conference every day. So many terms were new to us, from flattening the curve to social distancing to community spread, and we didn't quite know what we were in for. Eventually, the news conferences slowed to three days a week, and then in late June, regular briefings stopped. So when they happen, I think it's worth documenting them. When the Forward Virginia plan was being formulated, Northam and health officials said they could not move into phases of reopening until there were enough tests available. Here's Northam on September 1st. Our testing numbers are generally ranging from 15,000 to 20,000 case or tests per day. Our percent positivity continues to range just below 7%. Again, when all this started a couple of months ago, we were well over 20%. Uh, we'd obviously like to see it lower than 7, but we haven't seen sharp spikes statewide, uh, which is a good thing. However, Northam was reading outdated numbers. On September 1st, about four hours before the press conference, the Virginia Department of Health released new numbers, and the seven-day average for positive tests was at 7.7% statewide. That's up from 6.4% on August 24th. Northam used his time at the lectern to paint a positive picture. Overall, Virginians are doing a good job keeping this curve flat. And remember, we reviewed that in the past of why the importance of keeping the curve flat was, uh, was where it was. Northam opted to go region by region to give a status update on what caseloads are around the Commonwealth, beginning with Northern Virginia, where reopening plans were initially delayed due to high positive testing rates. First of all, the northern region total cases. As you can see from the blue lines, new cases in Northern Virginia are trending very slightly higher than earlier in the summer and significantly lower than they were early in the pandemic. The seven-day moving average for new cases is around 240. This next slide is the northern region uh, number of tests and percent positivity. So here you can see that northern Virginia's percent positivity is looking steady, hovering around 6%. Northam said the central region has seen a recent decline in cases. The northwest region of Virginia has not seen large numbers of cases, but the southwest region is still a cause for concern. The case there, unfortunately, we're seeing cases trending up in that particular area of Virginia. Two months ago, the average new case number was around 80 per day. Now it's more than 220 per day. This is especially concerning for a region where there are fewer hospitals, especially with critical care capabilities. Next. Northam moved on to the eastern region. The eastern region is averaging around 214 new cases a day. 
uh, which is better than it was in July. And you can see from this next slide that the eastern region's percent positivity has come down from the mid-July spike of around 12%. It's now down under 9%, which is still higher than we'd like, but this is certainly moving in a positive direction. Despite his positivity, Northam reminded Virginians that there is still a serious threat. This virus is still alive and well around the Commonwealth of Virginia, and we have to continue the guidelines and be vigilant. And so overall, the coronavirus is moderately contained in Virginia. The case numbers remain steady, and the percent positivity is not spiking. But again, we continue to watch this very closely, and we need to remain vigilant. We continue monitoring the data, and we need to keep working, especially as our colleges and schools reopen, and especially ahead of a holiday weekend. Shortly before I produced this, James Madison University in Harrisonburg reversed course and went to online instruction for the month of September. They're also sending students who have moved into dorms recently home. This is due to a spike in cases. The University of Virginia remains on course to begin in-person instruction on September 8th, and there are growing calls for them to reconsider. September 7th is Labor Day, and there have been calls from some in Virginia to drop restrictions. Several bills have been filed and killed in the General Assembly session to end the current health emergency. Governor Northam said he's not changing anything before the holiday weekend. That includes current restrictions in eastern Virginia that limit hours of operations for bars and restaurants. I want to be clear the reason why, and I know there's a lot of folks want to get things back open on Labor Day, but we need to think back to Memorial Day and July the 4th. We saw surges in the week to two weeks following those holidays around the country and certainly also here in Virginia. And we don't want to repeat that as the summer draws to a close. So if we can avoid these same surges after Labor Day, then we'll have a running start as we go into the fall. I believe this, our health team believes this, and Dr. Fauci made the same point yesterday on a call with the nation's governors. With a holiday weekend coming up, with back to school coming in different forms, and with colleges returning, now is the time to double down on what we know is working so we can set ourselves up for success this fall. If the numbers continue to trend in a good direction, and if there's evidence that people are following the safety guidelines over the holiday weekend, we will be able to move Eastern Virginia in line with the rest of the state soon after Labor Day. At his last COVID-19 press conference in early August, Northam announced the deployment of the COVID-WISE app intended to help track the spread of the disease. He gave an update on September 1st. Virginia launched COVID-WISE four weeks ago tomorrow. Since then, more than 460,000 Virginians have downloaded it. That's about 16,000 people per day or 700 an hour. So if you downloaded the app, I say thank you. Many Virginians have already used it to anonymously notify their family, friends, coworkers, and communities. In fact, just yesterday, 51 people received a push notification that they were likely exposed 
to someone that anonymously reported as COVID-19 positive. We can all be proud that Virginia was first and we got the nation's attention with more than 5,000 stories around the country. This is a great start, but we have to remain vigilant. As of September 1st, about half of Virginia's public school divisions are fully remote as they begin the academic year. 10 are all in person, 25 are partial in person, 25 are hybrid, and four are partial hybrid, whatever that means. That information comes from the Virginia Department of Education. The presidential administration has a different philosophy than the Virginia administration about teachers who get exposed. About two weeks ago, the Trump administration reclassified teachers as critical infrastructure workers. This means they could be expected to continue working even if they have been exposed to COVID-19, and that's the wrong thing to do. So Virginia is taking a different approach. If you are a teacher and there's a high chance you've been exposed to COVID-19, you should get tested and stay home until you get the result, even if you don't have symptoms. So let me be clear, despite recent changes in the CDC guidelines, Virginia will continue to encourage that those who need testing get it. That means that if you have symptoms, you think you've been exposed, or you need a test to go back to work, you should consult your physician, period. In the question and answer period, Kate Masters of the Virginia Mercury asked about what steps the state could take to intervene if public colleges and universities experience outbreaks. Northam acknowledged this is a problem. We're seeing, uh, I think, concerning numbers of positive cases at our colleges and universities very early on as, as our students have returned to campuses. And just to go back a little bit, Kate, we, we have provided specific guidelines. Uh, the colleges and universities have been working with CHEV. Uh, their plans were certified uh, by CHEV. Um, and we're watching this very closely. And we expect our colleges and universities to continue to follow their plans and also to work with the local health districts. And as long as we see that continuing to happen, uh, then I think we can proceed. But if, if it's not, um, and I certainly have the, uh, the opportunity to, to uh, intervene and, and make changes. We, you know, we've had this discussion, Kate. We, we really want our, our scholars to be back on campuses. We want them to, to be in the classroom, but we really, we need to do it safely and responsibly. And so we'll continue to monitor it. Um, I've been in uh, almost daily contact with a lot of our college and university presidents. Uh, we've talked about our concerns uh, on, on each side, and, um, and they're continuing to, to take this very seriously. And, and I, I think that they will continue to make the, the right decisions and, and do what's in the best interest, not only of their students, but also uh, of their, their faculty and, and support staff uh, at the colleges and universities. So we're, we're continuing to monitor it very closely. So we have one holiday in our immediate future, but what about the rest of the year? It's not too early to think about what might happen as Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and other holidays become closer and closer. Here's a question from Bill Atkinson of the Progress Index. As we all know, the holiday season begins only just a couple months in earnest, and that is always a busy season for travel, get-togethers, and what have you. I know this is going to, your answer is probably going to rely on a lot of conjecture and projection. 
but uh, unlike, obviously, this season is going to be unlike any that we've had before. In analyzing the past and the present metrics of the pandemic in Virginia, are you, what are you and your health advisors expecting to be possibly the trend in the pandemic trajectory as we approach that holiday season? And what advice would you give Virginians making plans, long-range plans for, for that season? Yeah, that's a great question, and if I had a crystal ball to look into, I could probably answer your question better, but I would encourage families, friends that, that want to get together during the holidays to to take this as seriously as, as they can and, and continue to follow the guidelines and stay away from large gatherings, continue their social distancing, hand washing, uh, et cetera. You know, we've got a real challenge on our hands because not only as we go into the fall months, is COVID-19 still with us, but we've got the flu season. So step number one, for those of you that are, are listening, and I appreciate you listening, get your flu shot, uh, and that'll help at least with, with that part of it. We'll continue to, to uh, maintain hope that a, a vaccination comes out for, for COVID-19, but, but that's not with us uh, yet. Uh, we continue to make sure that we stockpile our PPE um, that's going well. Uh, we have suppliers, um, and so for our nursing homes, uh, for our hospitals, uh, those are going to be vitally important uh, this fall if we get larger numbers of, of individuals that need to be hospitalized. We're working with our hospital systems, making sure that they have the critical care capabilities, making sure that they have the ventilators, those types of equipment that are going to be so important. But, you know, I, I, I don't have the answer. I, I can't predict how things are going to go. I will say this, um, as a physician, perhaps a bit of a silver lining uh, as we go into the fall is that uh, we are all, I think, paying more attention to uh, keeping our hands clean and wearing our face mask. And, and if we can get our flu shots, which again, I highly recommend all of you to do, uh, then perhaps the flu season won't be as impactful as it was in the past. But if we get a bad flu season on top of COVID-19, we're going to have some real challenges. So uh, again, do everything that you can to, to follow these guidelines. The next question goes back to the Southwest region and is from Luann Reif of the Roanoke Times. Good afternoon, Governor. You talked a little bit at the beginning about the um, high number of cases in Southwest Virginia and there's particular um, hot spots um, are there things that your administration could do to help quell some of the infections that are spreading in these particular areas? Yes, um, have the health districts asked for anything in particular or something you can deliver to them? Well, I, that, that's a great question. And the question is about the, the kind of the increased rate of, of infection in, in some areas of Virginia, and specifically this question I ask about the the Southwest. So you know, I think the, the first step is to continue to provide accurate and updated information, uh, and that happens through our, our local health districts. Uh, I think it's also important to, to know that uh, when there are hot spots in, in Virginia, we are uh, paying particular attention to those areas, enforcing the guidelines that we have put forward, and, and so visits are being made to uh, restaurants, bars, et cetera. Uh, so, so that's important. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, the, the main concern we have, especially in rural Virginia, is our, our, the, the lack of the 
ICU capabilities uh, in those areas. And so we, we have to be very vigilant and we will continue to watch those areas uh, as close as we can. To round out this podcast, let's hear this question from Max Thornberry of the Northern Virginia Daily. Hey, Governor, uh, you, you mentioned that uh, our cases are, are starting to trend up again. Uh, so I'm curious whether uh, you have any insight as to what you think might be, be causing that upward trend after uh, quite a while of cases going down. And also, uh, hospitalizations and deaths are down uh, but we haven't been able to, to keep deaths at zero. Um, I, I don't know if we maybe one or two days since this began. Um, what is making this virus so uh, especially dangerous here in Virginia, do you think? Well, thank you for your question. And I, I don't know if I'd say it's especially dangerous in Virginia. I mean, it's the a, it's a same virus throughout the world, uh, literally. But um, as you said, we've seen, to see a, we've seen a little bit of an upward trend uh, in Northern Virginia, the positivity rate is, is still low uh, compared to the uh, state average. Uh, but uh, your question is, why is this happening? Uh, and a couple of things I would say. One is we know that the instance, uh, the contracting of the, the virus is being seen in younger individuals now, especially in the age of 20 through 29. And this obviously is from social gatherings, uh, whether it be in restaurant, bars, college campuses, whatever. And so, again, my message is to, to continue to, to reach out uh, to those individuals and, and please, you know, abide by these guidelines and, and uh, keep those numbers down. So uh, that's one thing. The second part, and you mentioned deaths, and every death is uh, a death that we don't want to have happen. And so we, we take those seriously. And, and while we see high numbers, uh, the death rate has gotten lower. And the reason for that is because the increased number of cases is in younger people, and they're not affected as significantly. And so we're not seeing as many hospitalizations, certainly not seeing as many people in the ICU and in need of ventilators, and we're seeing less deaths. But there's still, uh, there still are deaths, uh, which is unfortunate, and, and that just speaks to the uh, to what we already know, that this is a dangerous virus, and uh, when certain individuals contract the virus, whether they be elderly or whether they have other underlying medical conditions, uh, they are at a tremendous risk to, to have a poor outcome. And so, um, so the message, again, is that, you know, if you're young and invincible, uh, think about the person that's not in your situation. And that may be a healthcare worker, it may be someone in a nursing home, it may be someone in your family and so so you know always consider other folks and and that's why we're all in this together we all need to be part of the solution and if we we take that attitude we can get this health care crisis uh, behind us in the rearview mirror and that's it for our brief summary of governor northam's september 1st 2020 press conference on covid 19. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I have to get now to the newsletter. I wanted to make sure that you got this information out there in podcast form. I've been doing this now for almost six months, and I plan to continue doing it for another six more and beyond. If you'd like to support this effort, you can either purchase a subscription to the newsletter on Substack or send me a general contribution for my research on Patreon. You can find the link to these in the show notes. I do appreciate all of the supporters so far. 
Your payments are really making a difference and have really led me over the last six months to decide to take a leap of faith and to get back to what I really want to do, which is bring you information about the world that you live in so you can make better decisions and hopefully understand a little bit more about why what's happening is happening, if that's even possible. If you have any comments you'd like to send me, please drop me an email if you know how to find me. If not, it's at seantubbs, my name, at gmail.com. I'm Sean Tubbs. As I said, I just gave you my name. And thanks for listening. And we'll be back again, not sure when, with another installment of the Charlottesville Quarantine Report. Thanks for listening.